It's the final one of our series of looking at the miracles of Jesus as outlined in the book of John. And today we are looking at Jesus walking on the water. A, a trick that has been repeated by mag- magicians uh, many times since, mostly using a, uh, a strategically placed glass or plexi platform. Uh, for which we we can be fairly certain Jesus did not have access to that kind of technology and so had to do it the, um, you know, the miraculous divine way instead. And so Jesus walks on the water. I'm going to read the uh, account of this from from John, but also from Matthew, (coughs) because in Matthew something, something interesting happens alongside Jesus walking on the water, which really helps... Uh, with this morning's talk. So here we go. John 6 verses 16 to 21 says, That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake. That evening, by the way, this comes straight after the feeding of the 5,000. So we've just had the miraculous feeding of 5,000 men, not to mention, uh, not including all the women and children who ate from that supply as well. 5,000 people um, at least fed from a very small contribution, miraculously. And the people are satisfied because they've eaten and they've been following Jesus and they've heard his teaching. And then that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake. They got into a boat and set off for Capernaum. Later that evening, Jesus had still not come to them and a strong wind was making the water rough. When the disciples had rowed for five or six kilometres... They saw Jesus walking on the water. He kept coming closer to the boat, and they were terrified. But he said, I am Jesus, don't be afraid. The disciples wanted to take him into the boat, but suddenly the boat reached the shore where they were headed. And in Matthew, Matthew 14, 22 to 33, says, Straight away, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and start back across the lake. But he stayed until he had sent the crowds away. Then he went up on a mountain where he could be alone and pray. Later that evening, he was still there. By this time, the boat was a long way from the shore. Probably five or six kilometres. It was going against the wind and was being tossed around by the waves. A little while before morning, Jesus came walking on the water towards his disciples. When they saw him, they thought he was a ghost. They were terrified and started screaming. At once, Jesus said to them, Don't worry, I am Jesus. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on, Jesus said. Peter then got out of the boat and started walking on the water towards him. But when Peter saw how strong the wind was, he was afraid and started sinking. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Straight away, Jesus reached out his hand. He helped Peter up and said, you don't have much faith. Why do you doubt? When Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind died down. The men in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, you really are the son of God. What an amazing story. And I love to consider that story from all the different perspectives. You're Jesus. You know what's coming up. And you say to the disciples, you guys go on ahead without me. 
I'll catch you up. And the disciples are like, it's one boat. There's all of us. How's he going to catch us up? And so they go off. You know, we, we do what we're told. Jesus tells us to do something. They go off. They row five or six kilometers. Not an easy task, particularly given, you know, the shape of boats and things at the time. They row their five or six kilometers in the wind. The waves are getting a bit choppy. It's night. And they're doing, they're rowing across the water. Jesus knows he's sent them on a bit of an errand. And walks out to meet them. Walks out to meet them. Knowing full well what their reaction is going to be. But the men who go out don't know what's going on. How's Jesus going to meet us? Maybe he will already be there when, he, when we get to the other side. You know, <coughs> he can do that. And, uh, and when they see him, their first thought is, this is a ghost. This thing is walking on the water. We can see this figure coming out from, uh, you know, the wind and the waves just walking towards them over the water. And they are terrified. I love that it says they started screaming. It's not just, you know, a shout of exclamation. Oh, it's a ghost. No, they started screaming. They were terrified. And in both accounts, Jesus says, I am Jesus. Don't be afraid. I am Jesus, don't be afraid. It's a major learning point for us today. I am Jesus, don't be afraid. The men in the boat end up saying, truly you are the Son of God. It's amazing. Right, today, I'm going to take us on a little journey. We've had these two different accounts what it says in John, what it says in Matthew. Uh, in the Matthew one, we have the addition of Peter um, going for a little walk on the water as well, which is, uh, which is something incredible. I love it when Peter does good things uh, in the Bible, being my namesake and all. So what this says about Jesus, what this says about Peter, and then what this says to us. Now Jesus, he can do it all. He is powerful. He has absolute mastery over all of creation. In another account it says, it was amazing, uh, the, the disciples were amazed when the wind and the waves obeyed him. And Jesus rammed home the point of the mastery of, of God, the sovereignty of God over all of creation itself, when he, when he said, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to get up and throw itself into the sea, and it will. My God is more powerful than the physical world. And that is incredible. And Jesus has, has total mastery over creation. He can do it all. He walks over the water, which is physically impossible, which is why we call it a miracle. Okay? He calls us to join him. When Peter says, can I, can I come out in the water with you? to share those experiences with us. The human-divine partnership is a very interesting and complicated one. That God even needs us to pray for a situation for, to be able to intervene into that situation. Or not to be able to intervene into that situation, but to choose to get involved. is a very odd thing. Why does God need us or want us to pray for something to then intervene and show his love. Why not just do it? Why not just make the world a perfect place all the time? 
And why do we have to get involved? That human-divine partnership is very, very interesting. And God's holding back sometimes, I think, motivates us to get involved as well, to show our compassion, our love, and he wants us to be involved in what he's doing. So Jesus calls us to join him. He calls Peter to join him on the water and says, it's not just for me. It's, it's my power, but it's for you as well. And he wants us not to fear. He's a total peacemaker. He loves to bring peace into situations. Loves to calm them. Loves to, loves to show God's love. Um, through the miraculous, like uh, with healing, he will, someone who's, who's in turmoil, in anguish, someone who's um, being uh, tormented by demons, he'll bring peace into those situations. He loves to bring peace. And that final moment, he really is the Son of God. The people in the boat who didn't even get out, on, get out onto the water just worshipped him and said, he really is the Son of God. Okay, what about Peter? Now Peter was four things. He was obedient because he was willing to step out of the boat. I love that about him. His first thought, well, after he's done with screaming and Jesus says, look, look, it's Jesus, don't be afraid. Peter's like, that's amazing. Uh, can I do that? <laughs> what you're doing there, can, can I do that? And the disciples were a bit like that as well, weren't they? They're following Jesus around and Jesus was healing and, and he was casting out demons. And then Jesus says to them, right, your turn, off you go, you go do it. And he sent out the, the twelve. And the twelve were like, right, let's go do this. And so they went to different towns and places under Jesus' instruction, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing the miraculous happen. Peter's first thought was, call me out on the water. I want, I want to come join you. I want to go for a walk on the water with you. And later on, we'll go down to the river. I'll show you how it's done. My faith is not quite there yet. As a practical demonstration of the walking on the water, you know, I'll practice. We'll, we'll come back to that. So he was just obedient. And imagine getting that call. Imagine hearing that from God. Actually, you're going to step out on the water. It's your turn. It's your turn to do that. So, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He actually then did walk on the water. But it, it kind of went a bit wrong, didn't it? The verse says, when he saw the wind... Uh, but when Peter saw how strong the wind was, he was afraid and started sinking. Save me, Lord, he shouted. So he was obedient to step out on the water. He did have a moment where he was walking on the water. But when fear came again, it always seems to be fear that screws stuff up. When fear came again, he started to sink. His first reaction to that, though, wasn't, Breaststroke, doggy paddle. It wasn't the backstroke. It wasn't the survival instinct of floating. No. He cried out to Jesus. He knew where the, the source of his salvation was. He asked Jesus to save him. He was reliant on Jesus. Which is great. So often, don't we, get into situations where um, 
where something has gone wrong. God, you called me into this, but now this has gone wrong, so I'll take it from here. I will, I'll sort things out. Rather than, God, you called me into this situation. It seems to have gone somewhat wrong. Help me. You know, what can, what, what, what can I do? What can we do? So what this says to us is those four things. Obedience, empowerment, um, lack of fear, and reliance on Jesus. Jesus really is the Son of God. So what do you do with that? Do you stay in the boat? Do you get out? There are many people who worshipped Jesus because of this miracle who never got out of the boat. All bar Peter. Perfectly valid situation to be in. Do you focus on Jesus or focus on the wind? And therefore, do you sink, swim, or cry out to Jesus in those difficult situations? So really, I want to look at those four things. That we are called to be obedient. So when Jesus commands you, obviously, you obey him. That's not not as easy as it sounds. Jesus told Peter to come to him on the water, even though it made no sense at that time. Peter did what Jesus said. This is what obedience looks like. Doing what Jesus says. Is there any area in your life in which you are not obeying the Lord? But how do you hear that instruction? Peter said to Jesus, can I come out onto the water? And Jesus said, yeah, come. And we can pray, we can say, Jesus, can I come out onto the water with you? And sometimes we can just be met with the most deafening silence. Yeah, Jesus, can I come out on the water with you? And there's nothing. How do we hear that response? If we're going to be obedient to Jesus, we can only be obedient to those things that we can hear, can't we? You're not disobedient if there's no instruction received. And so that is difficult. Different ways you can do this then. To hear what Jesus is saying, to hear what God is calling you into. You can push on doors and you can, you, you can you know, try things out. Better to actively pursue, to actively find out where God is taking you, than stay in the same place and guarantee that you miss it. Okay, so pushing on doors. We know that phrase. It, it's, a, you know, it's not unique to Christianity that you push on doors to find out what God's got for you um, in your life or to find out what, what feels right. And feeling right is a key thing as well, feeling at peace. Have you ever had that decision-making process where uh, there are different, thing, different routes that you could take and for no logical or earthly reason, there's a real peace, a sense of peace about one of those decisions. We had that, didn't we, Jules, for, for moving here. We were in a great place in Winchester. The house was nice. The, the job was good. Um, the church was lovely. And we just celebrated the, you know, the life of one of those uh, the church leaders who were instrumental in our early um, experience of you know, church leadership and, and things like that. And uh, it was a really good place to be. And so from a worldly perspective... In terms of salary, in terms of house, in terms of you know the schools that are around for our kids and the friends that we had, coming here was didn't tick many things on the um, you know on the list. Uh, 
sorry to say it, you know, <laughs> all right, insult us. No, that's not what I'm saying. We had such a sense of peace about the decision to come and join with the church here and to get involved in what was going on and to look for another job and look for another house. And we know that, you know, that, that friends could be made and friends have joined the church and, and that's fantastic. And so, but we had this real sense of peace, not knowing what it was going to be like and we had a prophecy as well, didn't we? Um, of someone who said, look, there's a, a footpath in front of you. They didn't know about our decision-making at the time. They didn't know what we were thinking. There's a footpath that's nicely paved in front of you. And you can follow that path. There's an offshoot that's made of broken stones. And I believe God's calling you down that, down that path. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's way more interesting. It's like crazy paving style rather than, you know, boring slabs. Um, and you should p- pursue this, this other path. And so that's another thing. You can have words of confirmation from people, from, from brothers and sisters in Christ who you know and trust and love, maybe in your small group, maybe in the wider church, who can talk into your life through words of prophecy, through scriptures that say, you know, you really, you're on my heart to pray for you and I believe that God's saying this. Does that make any sense? Rather than, God is telling you to move house. You know, that's, um, be careful with those words. Actually, Tony's, Tony Shave, uh, she won't mind me saying, she's at, uh, at Spring Harvest at the moment, um, and she pinged me a message on, well, yesterday, saying, you're on my heart to pray for you at the moment. Is there anything particular that's, um, that I need to pray, pray for you for? Yeah, something like that. Um, it was, you know, she, she felt that there was something, something going on. And I said, oh, there's no particular situation that I can think of. You know, that I'm not in some dire straits that I need your, your intervention in. Um, but would always welcome your prayers. Um, and we can do that. We, we're called to be in community with each other to do this. So, those are for specific decisions and things, but we're, we're also called to obedience in a much more uh, general way because God has already called us to go and make disciples of all nations, preaching in the name of the Father, <coughs> uh, to baptise each other in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to, um, you know, to, to bless each other. There's lots of, lots of obedience that you can do without hearing some audible spiritual direction on, on your life. Loads of obedience that you can get into. And empowerment. Faith unleashes the supernatural. Peter did not experience the supernatural power of God that allowed him to walk on the water until he trusted. As evidenced by his actions. Is there anything you need to be doing differently in faith? I've heard it said many times that when I pray, coincidences seem to happen. Yeah, Because you can write stuff off as coincidence, but when I pray, it just happens. Um, and I know that at, at Spring Harvest at the moment, the Coopers have just come back from there, and there's a lot about prayer that they were talking about. And Pete, I've always called him Pete Greig, because I've only ever seen it written down rather than um, pronounced. Did he say his own name? Greg. Greg. That makes no sense. There's an I in it. So, Pete Greig um, <laughs> has written a book, How to Pray. Brilliant. Uh, he's someone I've followed on Twitter for quite some time. But because he's been writing this book, he said it's 20 years in the making. Uh, and it's just called How to Pray. And I'm going to get a hold of a copy and, and read it. It's amazing. 
Right, okay, well, there you go. Chloe's actually read it or started it. Halfway through. The first half, at least, is absolutely amazing. You heard it here first. Right. Okay. No, understandable. And Phil actually tweeted from the beginning of Spring Harvest. Um, what did you say? Pray, keep it simple, keep it up. Yeah, keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. And that is an obedience thing, but it also unleashes the power of God. And as I said, I don't understand why God chooses to wait for us to ask before he intervenes. But so often he does, as we've seen with miracles, as we've seen with with healings. Can I have a show of hands? Anyone who has ever been healed um, having received prayer? For many things. Okay, so it's about 30% of, of, the, of the church. Um, and there might be others who just, I'm sure that's happened, I can't remember what. But I have definitely um, received um, healing very recently, but also what stood out for me most was actually, Jill, I don't know if you remember, I used to suffer with cluster headaches. Oh, cluster headaches, they're so short-lived, it's not like a migraine, but it's, it's an intense pain that's caused by a spasming artery on the brain, which when you say that, you know, you're like Stroke City, it wasn't, it wasn't a precursor to a stroke or anything, but I, I had them well beyond where, where you should. Because doctors said, oh, yeah, I'll grow that when you're 12 or 13. And so my parents weren't too worried, but they kept coming. And usually when I'm dehydrated or I'd have a large quantity of cheese and alcohol, uh, not a large quantity, doesn't matter. Um, but dehydrated, we'll go with that. Um, and they'd, they'd come on and they'd be seriously painful for all of 10 seconds. And then it'd be like, and it's gone. And then it would just come on again. It'd be debilitating. And it's, I could, I'm holding this point because that's exactly where I could feel it, right in there. And it was getting too much. And Jill's just, you know, you prayed for me. And literally, not one since. You know, it was constant, not constant. It was repeated and regular and predictable up to that point, and not one since. And so I've received, through the obedience of, of you know, one of God's people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, received healing. And that's fantastic. But I don't understand why some people aren't healed, myself included, for other things. We continue to pray. Um, a couple of tweets... Um, that that Pete Rieger's put out, Greg, whatever. Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Uh, This is D.L. Moody's, um, you know, ancient quote, but every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. When you talk about, when you find out about, you know, the Welsh revival, you know that there was a group of constantly praying people called to pray before it all kicked off before God intervened, but with an unleashing of his Holy Spirit amongst a group of people. Some of the the amazing transformations in communities in in South America, you can trace those back to a group of people who were called together to pray for their communities, and so God intervened. So prayer is communication with God, but it's also communion with him. It is asking God, but it's also being with him. It is faith, but it is also trust, and it is wrestling for a blessing, but also resting 
in the present and in the presence too. I love the idea of, of uh, prayer being just communication, just, ch- just talking, just chatting with God. And so often, you know, if we treated other people like we treat God in our prayers, they, w- they wouldn't stick around, they wouldn't be friends for long. If every time I came up to you, Neil, and I said, right, I need eggs and milk and sugar and um, I'm making a cake. Cheers. And just expect, you know, this stuff to, to be bought to me. Uh, by the way, I'm having a really hard time. I've got an injury. And just off you go again. You know, God doesn't, doesn't just want our shopping list of need. He also wants our conversation, our pouring out of our heart, and our moments of stillness and silence to listen to what he has for us. And the more we do that, the more I think that we will find ourselves unafraid. Fear will sink you. When Peter had faith, he walked on the water. When he looked at the circumstances, the situation, the wind, he was afraid. And when he was afraid, he sank in the water. And the same is true for you. Fear will sink you. Is there any fear that's gripping and controlling your decision making? Jules and I were talking about this and and I I think it's so much better to start rather than be gripped by fear and be stationary. Like I said before, it's better to start down a path and for God to correct your course. At least you've got some kind of forward momentum. And rather than just stop and wait and just continue waiting. That's not true of all situations. For sure, there are some decisions where you want to wait on God and wait for him to, uh, wait for him to give you the go-ahead before you, you move out on something. But so often, we're gripped by fear and we, we stop. We can't move forward until, until we hear a, co- a clear call that maybe we're just not actually listening out, listening out for. And we need to be reliant. Jesus saves you from many things. Jesus not only saved Peter from hell, but on this occasion, Jesus saved Peter from drowning. What things has Jesus saved you from? As a fairly competent person uh, in some things, in fact, was it Chloe said very recently? No, go on, you say it. You tell it so much better than I do. No. <laughs> no. No, Chloe said, uh, no, Chloe did say, not that Chloe, um, although you can say this if you like, um, oh, Daddy's so good at everything, you know, uh, and um, I'll take that uh, from a, a 10 year old, that's, that's fine, I will take that compliment. Um, she doesn't, doesn't know so many things that I'm terrible at. Uh, one of them is humility. Now, um, <laughs> oh yeah, that guy I love, cheers. But what I'm saying is, so easy, it's so easy too often to default to your own strengths and abilities if you feel like something has gone wrong. So Peter steps out onto the water. He looks around. It's a bit too windy for this miracle to really be sustainable. So what I'll do is I'll just you know, make my way back to the boat. Uh, thankfully, his... This story results in him crying out to Jesus in the middle of that situation. Jesus, save me. And Jesus pulls him out the water. And once his eyes are fixed back on Jesus, he's then in safety again. And, um, 
yeah, maybe there are situations where uh, where we feel God's call into into something. Maybe you need to step out in faith and say to you know, say to your small group leaders, "Can I can I lead this session or something?" Or uh, maybe there's someone at work that you need to pray for, but um, but you're scared to to say to them, um, you know, I would like to pray for you uh, if your workplace allows that kind of thing. Uh, and sometimes fear can grip us, and we go, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to back off. I'll make other polite conversation, or I'll, um, I, I, won't, I won't do that just yet. Or, you know, this has gone wrong. What can I do? I'll call up someone who can, um, who can help out. It's very difficult to live without fear, but also to be totally reliant on Jesus. In the in the peak WWJD sort of um, merchandising period, a lot of people wanted to jump on this four letters is obviously spiritual bandwagon. Um, and there, you know, there were wristbands and there were what would Jesus do, WWJD uh, badges and books and coats and t-shirts and, and teddy bears and everything. Um, and one that came out in this, in this sort of momentum of uh, four letters is spiritual was frog. Yeah? Fully reliant on God? I think that's brilliant. Lends itself to a logo. Then there was push. Pray until something happens. Ah, oh, that one actually resonates with me so much more than what would Jesus do? Um, because my fashion choices, whilst they're inspired by Jesus, aren't actually, you know, what would Jesus do? And so often, what would Jesus do in this situation um, actually doesn't, doesn't help. Um, but pray until something happens, showing that you're fully reliant on God is brilliant. So reliance... It's one of those four things. Um, just to, to bring those four up. Obedient, empowered, unafraid, and reliant. Imagine yourself in that situation. Obedient, empowered, unafraid, and reliant. I think there are people here right now who are thinking, wow, if, if I was empowered by God in this particular context... Here's what I'd like to see happen. Or, for a long time, I thought that I'd missed the boat on, on what God had called me into on my life. Um, when, I, when I hit 30, I thought, uh, you know, I'm a bit old now, and uh, you know, God obviously uh, had called me into um, being you know, part of church leadership and things, and, and I responded to a, a word when I was 14, but maybe I've missed out on that. And then there was a, a particular time that I remember a really, really intimate response with God uh, where I just felt like, no, I haven't missed the calling. It's still there. I've just got to, got to rely on God that he's got it in control and just carry on walking in it. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was, that was an interesting time. So maybe... In terms of obedience, some of us need a course correction. In terms of empowerment, we need to step out in faith to see that power of Jesus' evidence. And it's great to have 30% of us say, you know, I personally have received healing through, um, through a, touch of, you know, a touch of God. And to do so without fear. You've heard it said from the front so many times that do not be afraid is the 
most repeated command in all of Scripture. 220 occasions where people are told not to be afraid. Fear blocks us from responding to God in a positive way. What is there that is um, that we're afraid of that's preventing us from responding to him? And finally, reliance. Let's spend a moment. Quite predictably, after Jesus walks on the water, our response song is oceans. You call me out upon the water. But the words are just incredible. Um, yeah, so we're going to sing that in response. But can I just pray? Can I just pray? And um, there's an opportunity, obviously, to, to pray with each other, to consider these things uh, in the small groups and this morning. Um, so, Father God, I thank you that we are called to be these four things, that we are called to obedience, that in that we can be empowered by your Holy Spirit, not full of fear, but totally reliant on you. Help us, I pray, Father God, help us to identify those fears and those situations that are holding us back from being empowered by you, from being uh, from drawing closer to you, for being true agents of change, being your hands and feet on the earth, blessing those around us, stepping out in courage because we've heard from you. In the stillness now, Father God, I pray that you would speak to us individually in our own situations.